0: Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Greg Laurie podcast, a ministry supported by Harvest Partners. I'm Greg Laurie, encouraging you. If you want to find out more about Harvest Ministries and learn more about how to become a Harvest Partner, just go to Harvest.org. Welcome to the Harvest Crusade. Good to see all of you. We're especially glad that you're here. This is our 34th year of doing Harvest Crusades here in Southern California. This is our first year at the Honda Center. We've done 121 Crusades all around the world, and we've had the opportunity to bring the gospel in person to six million people, and best of all, we've seen 600,000 people make a profession of faith to follow Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? So you know my story. So I was searching. I saw the alcoholic haze of my mother's bad choices and I knew I didn't want to live that life. But then I made some bad choices myself. I got into drugs. And it wasn't long until I had concluded, I'm only 17 at this point, but. I concluded, I don't want the life of my mother's generation. I don't want the life I've been living. It was sort of like a process of elimination. I knew what I didn't want to do, but what did I want? Why was I on this earth? Why did I exist? And I was going to a school, Harbor High School in Newport Beach. I transferred over there, and uh, four people from Harbor High just clapped back there. And, uh, and so, when I transferred on this campus, one of my druggy friends, because I was using drugs then, said, Greg, really be careful. There's a lot of Jesus freaks on this campus. There's Jesus freaks everywhere. <laughs> and I said, I said, the last thing you will ever see is Greg Laurie become a Jesus freak. Famous last words, right? But here's what happened. I was walking across my high school campus and I saw a group of Christians sitting in a circle singing songs to Jesus. They were simple songs. Maybe like four chords in the song. (laughs) But there was something there that I thought, that's real. I want what they have. I never thought of knowing God in a personal way. And it opened my heart up. And tonight, for you that are a visitor, especially if you're not a believer yet, I'm especially glad you're here. In many ways, this night is here for you, okay? You are our special guest of honor. And I'm hoping what you will experience is something similar to what I experienced many years ago, that you will sense. God's presence in this place because Jesus said when two or more are gathered together in my name I'm there in the midst of them. Jesus Christ is in the Honda Center tonight. He's here. Jesus Christ is going to change lives tonight. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is going to change your life tonight if you will open your heart Let's pray for a moment. Now, Lord, quiet our hearts as we think about the most important issues of life. This life, the meaning of it, the afterlife, where we will spend it. Speak to us now, we pray, from Scripture, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message is Jesus and You. You know, we have a big crowd here tonight Thousands more are watching, literally all around the world. But when God looks at a crowd, He sees an individual. Jesus sees you. Jesus cares about you. You know, it's a funny thing. People are so enamored with superheroes. Did you know over $3 billion of our hard-earned money has been spent on superhero movies from all the studios out there? And here's the thing. I I hate to break this to you. These superheroes, they're not real. That was kind of a Joe Biden moment there. They're not real. I know Aquaman can breathe underwater and Wonder Woman has superhuman strength and the Wolverine can heal rapidly from injury, though he's a manicurist's worst nightmare. Imagine giving a mani and a pedi to Wolverine. The Hulk, he has superhuman power. You just have to get a mad and super green. But they're fictional, they're not real. But there was a man who walked on our planet who had unlimited power. He didn't breathe underwater, he walked on the water. <laughs> and his name was Jesus Christ. And he is the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords, and He's in this place right now. He's here with us. You know, God, God can seem so unapproachable. He's so powerful. He's so mysterious. But Jesus was God walking among us. I heard a story about a little boy who was scared one night, and he called up from his bedroom to his father, Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared. The father said, son, you're okay, God is with you. And then the little boy said, but daddy, right now I need someone with skin on. Jesus was God with skin on. Jesus was not just a good man, Jesus was the God man. Jesus was God spelling himself out in a language we could understand. God had come near, God had a face. You know, we like to celebrate certain people If you're a powerful person on social media, you have millions of followers. The guest of honor at a celebration that's called the man or woman of the year. Time Magazine every year picks the person of the year, and every 10 years, they pick the person of the decade. But there's only one person that literally divides human history in half, and that's Jesus Christ. There's never been anyone like Him and we're fascinated by Him. 77% of American teenagers, according to one survey, said want to know more about Jesus. Three quarters of millennials say they're searching for a purpose in life. Listen, you've come to the right place because I want to talk to you tonight about Jesus and you. And I want to start with this. I know you've heard it before but i got to say it people. God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. He really does. You say, oh, but Greg, he doesn't know me. Oh, actually, he knows you very well. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every detail about your life. And did you know that not only does he love you, but he has a special, unique plan for your life? God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. Here's what God says in one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now if God had simply said, I know this singular thought I once had about you for a fleeting moment, I'd be happy with that. But He says, I know the thoughts, plural, more than one, that I think towards you. And then we think, yeah, but what kind of thoughts are they? They're good thoughts. God says thoughts of peace and not of evil. He loves you, he has a plan for your life. And listen to this, God's plan for you is better than your plan for yourself. It really is, it really is. I heard about a little boy and his father who went into a hardware store and as they were checking out there was a big jar full of candy. And the hardware store owner said to the little boy, son, grab grab a handful of candy, it's free. The little boy didn't grab it. He just kind of looked up at his dad. Hardware store owner again said, Son, get a handful of that candy. It's free. Still, the boy wouldn't take it. He just looked up at his dad. Finally, his dad reached in, grabbed a handful of candy, and he got in the car with his little boy. And he said, Son, why didn't you grab the free candy? And the little boy said, Because, Dad, your hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> God's plan for you is bigger than your plan for yourself. It's really amazing. And He loves you and has a purpose for you. And I wanna look at a story in the Bible about a woman who was down and out, a woman who messed her life up, a woman who was living immorally and got caught in the act of sin, got caught in the act of adultery. Now, in case you don't know what adultery is, That is sex outside of marriage. The only place that God will bless sex is in a marriage relationship, you see. So that's sexual sin. And uh, I heard about a little boy that was in Sunday school, and the teacher talked about adultery. And as he was driving home, he said to his mom, Mom, the, the teacher said we should not commit adultery. What does that even mean? And the mother said, "Uh, that means you should not plow another man's field. Okay, just leave it at that. She didn't know what to say, right? But this woman was caught in the act. But look at what Jesus did for her. I'm reading from John chapter 8. As Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? They were trying to trap Him, saying something they could use against Him. Listen to this. Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with His finger. They were demanding an answer. He stood up again and said, all right, let the one that is among you who has never sinned cast the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers saw this, they left from the oldest to the youngest. And then there was left just that woman and Jesus. And Jesus turns to her and says, woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I, go and sin no more. Isn't that a great story? Love that story. So this woman's caught having sex. A bunch of religious dudes known as the scribes and Pharisees catch her in the act. Who knows, maybe they even set her up. And it was really a trap for Jesus. And she's thrown on the ground in front of Him. And Jesus starts writing in the sand. What do you think He wrote? Tic-tac-toe, your move. Maybe a little cartoon? I don't think so. We don't know what he wrote, but maybe he wrote, you shall not commit adultery, and then wrote someone's name next to it, like Caleb, then looked over at Caleb. And then maybe wrote another commandment, looked over at that other guy. Hey, Josh, you broke that one, didn't you? And they left. I got to go. I have a a roast in the oven. Uh, You know, let's go. They left from the oldest to the youngest, and all that's left is just this woman, this woman, and Jesus. And he looks at her and he said, where did all of your accusers go? Now it's interesting because we read Jesus looked at her and the word look means he looked right through her. Have you ever had anyone look right through you? Let me restate the question. Do you have a mother? Maybe you're up past curfew. Mom says, where have you been? "Nowhere, mom? Look at me. Look at me. And then you start confessing things you didn't even do, right? (laughs) But Jesus looked through her, but it was not a look of anger. It was a look of love. And here's a really amazing thing. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And the word he uses for woman is a term of respect. In fact, it's the same word he used to describe his own mother as he was hanging on the cross. When looking down, he saw her there. He said, woman, behold your son. (laughs) It's like saying to a woman, lady or ma'am. It's a term of respect. Now listen, this girl had been called a lot of things in life, but she had never been addressed this way. But this is why Jesus called her that. He didn't see her for what she was. He saw her for what she could become. You see? You know, you see a failure. God sees your potential. You see the past. He sees the future. And then these words, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Now you think, wait, when did this woman become a believer? I think in the moment he dismissed her accusers, she said, I believe in Jesus. You know how long it takes to become a Christian? Not very long. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm in the process of converting to Christianity. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take a year. It doesn't take a month. It doesn't take a week. It doesn't take a day. It doesn't even take an hour. It can happen just like that. In a flash, in a moment, you can go from non-belief to belief. You really can. I think it's happened for some of you already. You're thinking, preacher, get done with your stinking sermon so I can become a Christian, right? Because it's a move of God's Spirit on your heart. And maybe that's already happened for you. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. It's implicit in this statement where He's really saying, don't keep living in this lifestyle. Okay, I'm forgiving you, but don't live this way anymore. Listen, God loves you just as you are, but He doesn't want to leave you this way. He wants to change you, He really does. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is an altogether different kind of person. Old things that passed away, behold, everything becomes fresh and new. Right? I love it when it rains. Because everyone gets a free car wash. And the birds come out and maybe you will see a beautiful rainbow. And that is what happens when you become a Christian. It is like you go from black and white to color. You go from death to life, and in your future you go from hell to heaven. That's what it means to be a Christian. You say, but Greg, I'm really messed up. I've done a lot of horrible things. You can put your past behind you tonight and become a new person if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for all of your sins and he rose again from the dead. And he's here right now standing at the door of your life and he is knocking and he's saying, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. So I want to talk to you about one other guy before I close. So we talked about this immoral woman. Now let's talk about this religious man. He's identified as the rich young ruler. We don't know a lot about him except that he climbed his little corporate ladder very quickly. He was very successful. Came up to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Probably had a tricked out BMW chariot, custom wheels lowered, holding a latte, a lavender latte. Well, what is the lavender? Where did this lavender come from? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Well, you know the commandments. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. Oh yes, the guy says, I've done these ever since I've been a little kid. Jesus said, have you? Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. Why don't you take all of your stuff, get rid of it, give it away, and come and follow me and you'll have eternal life. Isn't that interesting? Jesus never said that to anybody else. Because Jesus could see that in this guy's life, his stuff was more important to him than God. Listen, everybody worships something. Some people worship things. Some people worship relationships. Some people worship a career. And some people worship God. And I wonder, who is your God tonight? You have a God. And there might be something that's keeping you away from Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you give up to follow Jesus will be more than made up to you. To someone struggling with drugs, Jesus might say, take your drugs and flush them down the toilet and follow me. Well, could I sell them? No, that's called drug dealing. No, get rid of them. (laughs) I'm struggling with alcohol. Yeah, pour pour it down the toilet too. Put it all in the toilet. Make sure you flush it. Someone might be in a relationship right that's pulling them away from God. A girl, a guy. They don't want you to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe Jesus would say, you know what, you're gonna have to break off that relationship and follow me. I wonder if there's someone listening to me right now that would say, I would really like to follow Jesus, but I wonder what the person sitting next to me would think if I did that. The person sitting next to you is thinking, I would really like to follow Jesus, but what would happen to the person next to me if I did? Who cares? Really, who cares? One day you'll stand before God all by yourself. And this man was wealthy. We think wealth is gonna solve all of our problems. He found wealth early in life as well. We all watch this tragic story of the Titan submersible where these people got in this tiny little uh, miniature submarine to go two miles plus down to view the wreckage of Titanic. And we all know that on their way down, they had what was described as a catastrophic implosion. This thing was the size of a minivan, using a video controller, a video game controller, to guide it. You think, why why would a person get into that thing? Among the people that were in there, a couple of billionaires. Uh, One was a British billionaire age 58, who made his private fortune selling personal jets. He holds three Guinness World Records for past extreme trips. Why would you do this? And a well-known psychologist whose clients include some of the world's wealthiest people said, like any other drug, sensation-seeking creates a tolerance level in the brain. We need to feel more. You might start off making a million dollars, but then you need two million, and then you take more risks, end quote. You know, people say, if I just kid in this rocket ship and go into space, it may cost me $500,000. I want to do that. Or I'll go to the depths of the sea. Yeah, I want to do that. Th- that's not where the answer is. Listen, the psalmist says, if I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go to the depths of the ocean, you're there. You'll be there waiting for me. What you're looking for is Jesus Christ. He's right here. He's right here right now. We have never had more distractions in our world than we have today. And most of them have one of these in our pocket, the cell phone. I read a headline the other day, screens are zapping the life out of teens. It's the new great depression. Since the rise of social media, one article says, depression and feelings of hopelessness have skyrocketed among teens. Nearly half of tweens and teenagers say they agree with these phrases, I do not enjoy life and my life is not useful. That's nearly twice as many It said that same thing a decade ago. Teen depression and suicide are on the rise. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death among young Americans. Listen, the answer is not in tech. The answer is not in money. The answer is not in fame or more followers on social media. The answer is in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what you need. I'd add one other thing about this rich young ruler. He was religious and religion can keep you from Jesus. Let me say something that might surprise you. I think it's possible that when it's all said and done, religion may keep more people away from God than all of the other sins and vices put together. It's true. Because, you know, when you're doing certain things, you know maybe it's a sin, maybe you don't, but. You know, you're living a life you're not proud of. But when you're religious, you're so, hey man, I I don't need that, I'm a religious person. You might be saying, but Greg, aren't you religious? I hope not. I don't want to be religious because I think religious people are just flat out weird." weird. I really do. I don't think religion made them weird. I think they were weird to start with, then they just got religious, that's all. They're just weird people. And the problem is weird people never know they're weird, but they are. I am not interested in being a religious person. I'm not talking to you tonight about religion. I'm talking to you tonight about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know, a a religious person, they'll say, well, I go to church. So, I'm good. Do you really go to church I'm a CEO Christian. What's a CEO Christian? Christmas and Easter only. (laughs) But I'm not so sure about Christmas this year. Maybe just Easter. We'll see. There's people like that. But religion can keep you from God because you're self-righteous. You need to realize you're a sinner that needs a Savior. Years ago, I was with my son, Jonathan. He came up a little bit earlier. And he was a little guy, and I was taking him out surfing. And uh, so I'm kind of keeping him above the water, helping him to catch waves. And all of a sudden, I got caught in a rip time. Okay, but here's the problem. I'm only a few feet from the shore, but somehow I'm in this rip I'm getting pulled out, and, and I'm holding him aloft, trying to keep his head above water. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I'm so close to the shore. I, I can't call up for help. And there's a lifeguard looking at me. I thought I'm holding him up. I'm starting to take in some water, and, and then she comes down from the lifeguard stand, and she's running toward me. I'm like, oh no, no! I don't want to be saved. I am okay. And she starts swimming toward me and I'm going, oh no. And th- then suddenly I got my footing. in. I said, I'm okay. She waved. I said, thank you. But that's how we can be. I don't want to be saved. I don't need to be saved. Hey, I was caught in a stinking riptide. Bottom line, I needed some help. You're caught in something worse than a riptide. You're caught in sin and there's only one person who can save you and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Clean living won't get you to heaven because you're not clean enough. Good works won't get you to heaven because you've not done enough. Only Jesus Christ can give you that hope and that change and that purpose you've been looking for. So let me close. What do you need to do to come into this relationship with God? Number one, you have to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have broken God's commandments. Every one of us have fallen short of God's standards. Not one of us have kept those commandments. The word sin in the Bible means to not only cross a line, but it means to fall short of a goal. We do both. We're all sinners. But the good news is the Bible says, Why were we yet sinners? Christ died for us. So I have to realize I'm a sinner. Number two, I need to recognize Christ died on the cross for me. See, that was his plan from the very beginning. Nails did not hold Jesus to that cross 2,000 years ago. Love did. Love for you. Love for me. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As I said earlier, God loves you. He died there for you. If you had been the only person on planet Earth, Jesus would have gone to the cross and suffered and died for you. And no, he did suffer. He loves you so much it hurts. They drove spikes through his hands and his feet. They tore his back open with a Roman whip. They put a crown of thorns upon his head and he bled and suffered and died for the sin of all the world. But he bled and suffered and died for your sin because He loves you. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it when he said, He loved me and He gave Himself for me. Jesus loves you and gave Himself for you. Then you must repent of your sin. The Bible says God has commanded people everywhere to repent. The word repent means to change your direction. It's a military term. It means like an about face. Right? So Instead of running away from God, you run toward God. You turn from that sin. You're sorry for that sin. And you change. And then you must receive Christ into your life. Jesus must come and be your Savior and your Lord. And only you can ask Him to come in. I can't do that for you. Your parents can't do that for you. Your friends that may have brought you here tonight can't do that for you. You have to say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be my Savior be my Lord, and he'll do that for you. And then you must do it publicly. And in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to do what over 600,000 people have done over the years of our Harvest Crusades. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your seat and come down on the floor all around this stage and make your public stand for Jesus Christ. Hey Greg, why are you at the Honda Center this year and not Angel Stadium? People have asked me. Well because Angel Stadium didn't want us to walk on the field this year. It said you can have your event but you can't have people walk on the field because of the baseball games, etc. I said well then we're going somewhere else because we like to call people down to make that public stand to follow Christ. Maybe they'll change their mind and we'll go back there someday, but I'm good for now. So you can make that public stand to follow Christ. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you before the the Father and the angels in heaven. But then he said, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the Father and the angels. So I'm gonna ask you to make a public stand in just a few moments. And lastly, you must do it now. You must do it now. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You might say, well, Greg, I'll come back tomorrow night. Well, you can. Get here early. We had to turn some people away tonight so you get a seat. And I hope you will come back. But listen, don't wait till tomorrow night. Do it right now. There's not a better moment to give your life to Jesus than right here, right now, wherever you are. And you won't regret it. I remember so clearly the day I gave my life to the Lord over 50 years ago. And, uh, and as I prayed the prayer asking Jesus to come into my life, I thought to myself, this isn't going to work for me. Because I'm not the religious type. I was very cynical. But I'm so glad to say God isn't looking for the religious type. He's looking for the sinner type. And that means you and I qualify, right? And... I prayed that prayer and something happened to me. Jesus came into my life and something's gonna happen for you. He said, well, Greg, I'll clean my life up and come to Christ. No, don't clean your life up. Come to Christ and He'll clean your life up. You just come as you are tonight. You come as you are. So we're gonna pray and then I'm going to invite you to come down on this floor all around this stage and make your public stand to follow Jesus Christ and when you all get here, I'll lead you in a prayer. You may never have another opportunity like this tonight. Let's pray. Now, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince every person here, every person watching, every person listening of their need for Jesus and help them to come to you and believe We commit them to you now and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen. Do you want your sin forgiven? Do you want to know that when you die, you will go to heaven? Do you want to find the purpose and meaning of your life? Are you ready to say yes to Jesus Christ? If so, I want you to get up out of your seat, make your way into the nearest aisle and come down here on the floor and make your public stand to follow Christ. Come on down now. You come down. If you're on the top level, it's gonna take you a little bit longer. So you in the top level, you make your way down. We'll wait till you all get here. You're not too young to come to Christ. You're not too old to come to Christ. You're not too good to come to Christ. You're not too bad to come to Christ. You come. Listen for a moment. Jesus told a story to show us what God is like. We sometimes call it the parable of the prodigal son. It's the story of a man who had two sons. One of the sons said, loose paraphrase, Dad, I'm sick of your rules and regulations. I'm going to go live my life. And I want my portion of the inheritance that's coming to me. So he took that money and went to a distant place and blew all his money on sinful things. And one day that boy came to his senses and he thought, this is insane. I need to just go back to my father and say, Father, I'm sorry, I've sinned. I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. And he began to make the journey home. Meanwhile, back at the ranch... The dad missed his son. He looked down that long road every day in hope for the return of his son. And one day, he saw a familiar silhouette coming his direction. And he squinted and said, that's my son. He got up from his chair and began to run toward his son. And the boy probably thought, dad's so ticked off at me, he can't wait to beat me. But the father ran to the son and threw his arms around him and said, let's rejoice. This my son who is dead is alive again. He who was lost is found. And they had a party. That's how God feels toward you. You know who told us that story? Jesus. Jesus told us that story that shows what God is like. He longs for our return. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that walked with the Lord as a young boy or a young girl. You had a relationship with Him, but you've drifted away. You've sort of pushed God out of your life. Maybe you're facing the consequences of that bad decision, but the Father is calling you home again tonight. It's time to come home. It's time to return to God. And He welcomes you with open arms. You just must come. You pray this prayer. God will hear you. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. (laughs) So you pray this prayer out loud after me. This is where you you are asking Christ to come into your life. Mean it from your heart. God will hear you. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Pray this out loud after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. I choose to follow Jesus from this night forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen.